are live. What is up, motherfuckers? How are we doing this, uh, this, this mild and balmy, frankly, mild and balmy March evening? Uh, it's been fucking glorious today. I don't know how many of you, I, I assume the majority of you listening in uh, are, are in the UK. Um, but if you're not in the UK, if you're listening from, like, sometimes I get listeners or viewers from uh from all over the world i got one from st petersburg the other day i don't know if i should be if i should be like concerned that somebody in like the internet research agency of st petersburg has found my shit and is checking up on what i'm talking about but if you are listening in st petersburg the weather in the uk today was fucking lovely um i got a friend who's based in uh, los angeles and she always fucking takes the piss out of me and or anyone who sort of like who says oh it's been so nice today it's been like 17 degrees and you know for her like her entire life is just 25 degree beautiful days and but like i feel like like the vibe on the text messages is like yeah well you know this is this is what i'm dealing with this like but i i sometimes wonder like is, is she sort of half like embittered that we're having nice days like does she think that sunny weather is like her thing and we're sort of encroaching on it you know like you know the way like back in the day when you were at school if you were the guy who like found out about mighty morphin power rangers or something if you were the guy who first came out with like your teenage mutant turtles t-shirts and then if someone else tried to like encroach on that you know like it was it was your thing and they were sort of trying to muscle in on it you were pissed off, weren't you? Like, I was pissed off when people did that. I felt like something was my thing. And uh, uh, and I feel like maybe that's sunny days for her, is um, is that. Um, and indeed LA. I feel like if, if, I, if I went to LA and then went on the chat group and started talking about how I liked this little restaurant or, like, I went to this gig and it was at this place, and, like, if I started sharing things, like, that I had found... I think it'd piss her off. I don't know why. I don't know where that comes from. But I like, and I'm not saying it in a sort of, uh, uh, in like accusatory or sort of belittling way. I think I'd be the same. Like if somebody, if somebody came to my hometown and started and they'd explored something and found a couple of things, I think I'd be just as pissy. I'd be like, oh well, yeah. I mean, I've been there for like years. Like, I can't, I can't believe you've only just found out about that. You know, I'd be pissy about it. <laughs> as well anyway look this is not the way that i wanted this uh this episode to start uh so let's let's just let's just start again shall we like what is up guys what is up motherfuckers what is going on i know like it's budget day or sort of mini budget day uh and i should be talking about that as a as a political nerd as a media junkie but i'm just i'm just over the politics a little bit this week you know like i don't know if it's literal boredom disillusionment or a subconscious desire to sort of take a break from it for my own mental health but i'm just finding that obsessing over every twist and turn in the political climate uh, offering up a hot take on each time that we level down and scrape further through the bottom of the barrel whether it's you know petrol prices or ni or ukraine or covid or brexit you get to the point where you're not you know you're not fully old man shouting at traffic but you're also not chilled, cool paragon of 
punk politics you know like you're somewhere in the middle and it's worrying like where actually like which one of those two am i closest to at the moment sometimes i feel like i'm closest to old man shouting at traffic in all honesty and and you get to the point where when you're obsessing over politics and you're reading people's blogs and you're watching their youtubes and you know trying to discern information and get an accurate read of what's happening out there uh, you get to a point where you just sort of like you wonder like like my kids are eating the food that i've harsed off harsed off half asked onto a plate and i'm like i'm not helping them with it and it's going everywhere it's going all over the floor and like like maybe my daughter's shit herself like 15 minutes ago and i i i'm not lifting a finger for any of it because i'm just busy watching a shit quality twitter video of some tiktoker that said yes to gb news you know like i'm just there in my own little bubble my little news and politics obsession bubble like so many people tell gb news to fuck off now that they've had to mine the depths of tiktok to get their pundits which is tragic in itself but i think it's more tragic that then i'm sat ignoring my kids climbing on a cooker stove while i'm watching that shit you know <laughs> like there's some right-wing tiktoker with like five thousand followers who gb news now get on as a sort of half credible pundit and i'm sat there eyeballing it like watching it my daughter's like about to kill herself but meanwhile i'm like yeah this is important i need this for my next blog you know it's just i don't know that's kind of where i got to a little bit by like friday last week saturday last week so I've not done a, I didn't do a blog over the weekend. And tonight, you know, I just I just want to chat about something quite broad and not necessarily political. You know, like I thought tonight maybe I could talk a bit about education and and career moves, uh, doing something that you love, you know, like that kind of vibe, uh, because it's something it's quite I hold it quite close to my heart. I was able to make a career move a couple of times in life. Um and and something dropped in my head earlier like it made me realize how unhelpful society is in terms of encouraging people to try something new you know you would think that society would be like yeah you know it's never too late we need more people to do x we've got too many people doing y so you know let's create initiatives and but i don't think it is i don't think society's really conducive with that you know, I think society is actually conducive with allowing you to sit and rot in a shit job that you hate. Society actually does fuck all to promote this idea that you can move careers. And it's weird because, like, if you cast your mind back, right? Uh, like, when you were a kid, you had this idea, I, I'm guessing, you know, I had this idea drummed into me. But I'm guessing that you did too, right, dear listener? Uh, you had an idea drummed into your head where... They asked you at school and your parents asked you and your uncles asked you, like, so what, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's good that people ask that stuff because it gets kids talking about what, like, the world and learning about different jobs and what different people do. And, you know, like fireman and police officer. And but like, I also think it's kind of bad because it instills this idea that everyone is just one thing. I think that's a really damaging thing to just install into young people's minds is that sort of what do you want to be when you grow up when you're an adult what will you be indefinitely like that's the kind of vibe it, it sort of sets off i think 
And then it's like, oh, I'll, I'll be a dr- bus driver, you know, and I'll just chug my ass from fucking Highgate to Oxford Street four times a day, six days a week, forever, and I'll be delighted every second of it my entire life. Like, there's an expectation that not only will you be one thing, but that you should also be happy doing that one thing forever. And then that brings its own problems later on in life because, you you know, you get people who study for forever to become one thing and then they're like, I thought I wanted to be this, but but now I fucking hate it, you know? But they feel like they're stuck then by that point. And that's the sort of situation where you've got like, you know, you, you might go to university, you might become a doctor like your mum or your dad were, uh, and then you'll just always be a doctor. It's a one-stop shop. You've got one chance. Choose wisely. And it get, like it carries through your teens. You have to choose these subjects and study hard. And and then it's like, a, you know, if you if you if you listen to your parents around that sort of time, then they're like, you better study hard. You better revise. You better get your A-levels sorted. A's and B's, Isabel, or you won't become a doctor forever. <laughs> you know, I hope I'm not losing you. I hope I'm on a point here. Uh, let's let's see where we get to with it, right? I I guess what I'm saying is like, I think this whole idea of like cementing that idea into young people's minds that if you fuck up your exams, then you're fucked, is so worrying and damaging, and it's just fundamentally, it's just not the case. It's not true, you know. How many people do you know who who sort of didn't know what they wanted to do and they sort of fell into it, but then they kind of decided actually yeah i might write a book or you know i might start a little cafe or you know people do make 90 degree turns in their professional lives and this idea that if you fuck your exams up i mean how many how many fucking teenagers have killed themselves over exams that the their older selves had they survived the suicide attempt would have gone back and gone hey don't kill yourself because this shit doesn't matter you know so you've got that sort of, you know, go through uni and don't fuck up your exams or it's all over and it's all for nothing. You've got that thing. And then secondly, you've got this idea that, you know, like if you if you do make it to being a doctor, if you if you make it through all the college and the university and the postgrad stuff that you need to do and the placements, the sandwich years, and then you get this idea that you couldn't do anything else because if you wanted to, you'd have to go all the way back to college do GCSEs, do more AES levels or whatever they're calling them now, like degrees all over again. And you can't afford to do that. So it is a one-stop shop. Everyone gets one chance. You know, it's so, it's weird, isn't it? That we sow this idea into society's narrative of what you could be, of what your job could be, and whether it's feasible that the job you have now could actually be changed that you're not just stuck in a rut you know i mean like the 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 everyone gets one chance thing is is to some extent it's true like if you know at 13 that you love animals and you want to be a vet then it it is infinitely easier to study to become a vet if college is free to you which it is when you're you know very young and if you're so young that you have no responsibilities then obviously that's fantastic and, and it, it, like, you know, it's not going to starve anyone if you're broke for seven years while you qualify. Um, then that's cool. But a lot of other jobs, this whole idea that uh, that you can only be one thing is ridiculous, frankly. You know, and I'm a big I'm a big advocate, a big sort of uh, I don't know. I like to think a conveyor of uh, of common sense with this stuff, you know, like from my own perspective, 
and I can only speak from my own perspective, but I always feel a bit guilty when I go like anecdotal as fuck. But from my perspective, I've pivoted a couple of times, you know, I've moved to London with some admin experience and I ended up working in recruitment, which is, you know, I'm not saying it's a great career change to make to like to go into recruitment, but I, I did it, you know, uh, I went into an admin role within a recruitment team and then I retrained while I was there to do actual recruitment consultancy, like resourcing, resourcing management and resourcing projects and so on. And actually that like, even again, like that's another career change. Like when I was working in recruitment, I volunteered like heavily volunteered for every shitty little project I could find that needed someone to run it. Like, like in recruitment, in banks, that means shit like like shitty little re recruitment, pro like shit like redundancy stuff, you know, stuff that no one else wants to do. Uh, collating market intel, uh, reducing people's contractor rates in line with the market. Like I was working in banks in the credit crunch. And when it became clear that a lot of the other banks were reducing their contractors rates, their daily rates that they earned, then... I volunteered to run that process. Like it's a, a hugely unpleasant thing, but it, I did it. You know, I was like, fuck it. If I want project experience, if I want to be taken seriously as a candidate for project roles, then I guess I'm running three days worth of meetings where I have to explain to contractors again and again, why the bank are reducing the amount that these guys are getting paid, you know, like terrible jobs that no one wants to do that you just volunteer for so that you can say on your CV that you did a project, you know? So that was another pivot, but in like in doing that, in volunteering for those shitty jobs, then I got hired in like into a media corporation as a, uh, like a project coordinator. So it was, you know, it worked out, it kind of worked and it didn't involve going back to college and studying and I know it's anecdotal and we can have a discussion another time, absolutely, about how, you know, quote unquote privileged I was to be working in an investment bank in the first place to get those shit jobs that no one else wanted. You know, like it's I mean, it's quite a funny idea to view hugely unpleasant experiences like lowering someone's salary and having them slam the fucking desk in front of you and call you a jumped up little prick. Having having that tabled back to you as some sort of privilege is like oh great <laughs> yeah it felt like a privilege at the time like someone told me they hope i get hit by a car on the way home today lucky me but you know like privilege aside it's a good example of how some people can reroute their occupation right out of sales recruitment is sales i managed to reroute it out of sales into a methodical project planning and project management thing you know, without having to go study uh, bachelors in project management for three years and put myself in 20 grand of debt or something, you know? And it like, you might be thinking when I say all that, like, but the thing is, Aid, you lightly gloss over the idea of privilege, but it's quite clear you had access to projects that you could then volunteer for, right? It's no good telling some exhausted kid who works in an SO to volunteer for projects because no one's going to hire a 24 year old man who works in a petrol station into a project management role because he volunteered to analyze like the fucking implementation of a new range of walkers. Obviously like that is, I mean, it's unlikely. Um, I get that.
But like two things with that. One, you don't actually know that. You know, if the individual is smart and they communicate well, and frankly, if they're good looking, I know nobody, <laughs> nobody that works in recruitment now will tell you this, but this is a fact of recruitment and HR and, and so on. If they're good looking, they, there's a high likelihood they might get hired. Um, you could probably dig out stats on that. It's so unfair. It is the height of privilege that you get access to these jobs and these roles based on the fucking lottery of life that you happen to have been born with like prominent cheekbones and like a, a sick jawline, you know? But it's it's true. Like people warm to good looking people. It's why you, dear listener, follow certain people on Instagram but completely swipe past other people. You know, it's it if you are aesthetically pleasing, you will have certain benefits in life. That's just a fact. Um so if they're good looking and they're smart and they communicate well and they work in an SO and if they made a really good push or got in direct contact with an internal HR type, it's, it is possible that somebody like that might get hired into a junior role. So we can't totally discount that. And number two, sticking with the SO guy, right? Coding is actually more lucrative than like a project management role. And you don't even need to be working for anyone to gain access to that. So like my example of me kind of pivoting and volunteering for these shitty projects. Yes, I was privileged in the sense that I was working. I was already in a big corporation that I could gain access to some of these things. Right. But if we were talking about like not volunteering for projects, if we're talking about making a career move into coding, then if you have a laptop and some time, you can fucking learn how to code. And then if you learn like the fundamentals of React, like I don't know how many of you are, you know, politics nerds and how many of you may have followed me from tech stuff before, but like if you learn the fundamentals of this specific library of JavaScript, which is a coding language uh, called React, if you learn the fundamentals of React, somebody will fucking hire you because the industry is just desperate for React. And it's not that hard. Like, you could pick it up. In six weeks of summer, if you just took out your laptop and did, like, four hours a day, five hours a day on it, by the end of the summer, somebody would fucking hire you. Um, there is, there is of course, another angle. Actually, before I get onto this, I will, like, just on the subject of, like, good-looking people, here's a really depressing, <laughs> like, anecdote... I used to work at a place and it's quite a big company and uh and there were two people who did like facilities work right which uh can mean different things in different companies at this particular place it meant uh walking around like the third floor of this building with a, a sort of a cage like a stock cage you know like moving computers around and phones and handsets and old old hand like telephones and fact you know just hardware like moving facilities from this office to that office and setting people up with this and but it was kind of grotty work and the one guy who was there was like he i think he was probably about 40 ish but he was a kind of old looking 40 year old and uh and then there was a young girl a girl young woman uh who was working with him and she was objectively a beautiful young woman she looked sort of like egyptian you know brunette quite an intense sort of pair of eyes on her jawline and just a, a beautiful young woman 
And over the course of like the six months that I was in that office space before we moved to the other building, uh, she was chosen, like cherry picked out of the facilities team to retrain as a fucking like project analyst. So plucked from obscurity in a shitty facilities role. I don't know how she ended up working in facilities. She was like, she should have been a model or something. Maybe she fucking loved pushing cages around on the, you know, moving stock from building to building. I don't know. Different things, you know, different strokes, different folks. But at the first chance, she did leap out of that role and into retraining. And then she became, she's probably a fucking program manager by now. But just to give you an idea, a depressing look into what being beautiful can do for you. Like, I seriously wonder if that opportunity was afforded to the 40-year-old guy who was pushing fucking stock trolleys around. I really, I'd be gobsmacked if somebody had given him an opportunity to retrain. Yeah, you could be a project manager. You could, mate. Oh, fucking... Yeah, I love the way that you push the stock trolleys around. Like, not to belittle or, you know, dilute the importance of moving facilities from building A to building B, but do you see where I'm going, right? It's it's just... Re I don't know what, it's, what it is. If it's just that as human beings, we're drawn to really great-looking people and we want them to like us and we are interested in what they have to say. So let's give her a shot at this job over here and then we can hear more of what this beautiful, confident young woman... Is it something like that? Or is it just that, I don't know, the director really wanted a banger and it was like, that was... Oh, if I give her a give her a really good job she'll be super grateful um could could easily have been something creepy like that i don't know um anyway where was i the other oh yeah right so the other angle uh the other angle with some of this stuff which i always worry makes me sound like a bit of a cunt uh in that you know as much as people say anyone could do it you know, anyone could retrain, anyone could learn to code, anyone could um, volunteer for this project or, you know, study or, or you know, improve this. Anyone could change this. Actually, not everyone can do these things. That's the, the other thing that people don't necessarily tell you about career moves. The first one is that beautiful people can maneuver their way through life fairly effortlessly. Uh but the other thing is that, yeah, not everyone can actually do it for a couple of reasons. You know, I, I know it's not the confidence boost that maybe some of you were hoping for. And maybe a couple of you were listening to this thinking, oh, my my nephew's thinking about doing a career move. Maybe I'll send him maybe I'll send him the link to this this episode. Well, I, you know, listen to the full episode first. Uh, you don't want to upset him. <laughs> uh, but like not everyone can do these things. That's the problem. And I worry that I sound like a cunt when I say that because it makes me feel like I'm putting myself on a pedestal but actually it is a cast iron fact that like I mean look like there's a lot of shit out there on the internet podcasts YouTube channels that that, that are already like, like they'll come out with stuff like hey you so what if you've got an IQ of 34 you could be the CFO of a blue chip consultancy if you just buy my online course for $400 and you're like Uncle Rob no put your fucking credit card away you fucking moron you know like this there's enough of that stuff out there of people just buttering people up to try and make money out of them or try and get more subscribers or likes or shares or whatever the truth is 
not everyone can retrain to do some shit or learn a new skill. There are a lot of irredeemably stupid people, for starters, but there's also a lot of people who aren't stupid who could probably handle the logic and the intelligence of, say, like, coding, uh, but who don't retrain out of, you know, a lack of confidence. They worry that they're too stupid, which, ironically, stupid people don't, I don't think. You know, I I think, actually, that's the... Isn't that like the foundations of the Dunning-Kruger effect? I don't know if any of you are familiar with that expression, the Dunning-Kruger effect. That's when you're too stupid to know that you're stupid. <laughs> Imagine that. You're too dumb to know how fucking dumb you are, you know? That's the Dunning-Kruger effect. So if you worry that you're too stupid, chances are you're not, okay? Just take solace in that. Um, so it's a confidence thing, or I think this is more often the case, it's actually a work ethic thing. I think there's a shit ton of people who could retrain, who could learn to code, or who could volunteer to do projects or take a course. And there's fucking shit tons of free courses out there, like actual genuine good educational material on YouTube, on, you know, any like Coursera have a load of free ones code academy all of these fucking coursera and plural site and like egghead and stuff i think they started off as tech things but now there's like there's them and there's like skillshare i think as well as another one they're not outrageously expensive and they have a lot of free content on there too so it's um you know it the stuff is out there but for one reason or another a lot of people just cannot find it in themselves or their time or their commitments to actually do it. You know, I think that's a bigger problem. Because you you can, to some extent, teach people to improve their confidence, can't you? Like, I think, like, a shrink's technique or, you know, psychiatrist technique is like, a, you know, here, have a plant, water it twice a week, keep it alive, and you will see that you matter because you you kept the plant alive, Joey. You know, like your self-esteem will improve because you watered a plant a couple of days. I actually think that's a genuine thing. It helps you feel good because you're keeping the thing alive, you know. Or over time, you know, hosting more events will make you more confident with hosting. You know, like people can gain confidence. They can be taught confidence through repetition, I think. But can can you improve someone's work ethic to the extent that they could teach themselves a new skill and change careers and like improve their financial situation? I honestly don't know. I mean, again, like anecdotally, I think my work ethic improved significantly when my son came along. Uh, it was that real sort of oh shit, you know, I better better get my shit together, sort of thing, you know, like. Or, or at least sort of maybe 50% was that. And half of it was like, oh, shit. Like, like actually, more than half was like, my, my girlfriend isn't earning any money and babies and nurseries are really fucking expensive. So if I ever want any financial independence again, I'd better focus on maximizing my income. Fucking stat. Like, <laughs> that, was, that was more of it. But it still, does that count as, you know, child-related work ethic? It kind of does, doesn't it? Like... And I love this idea that when a man becomes a father, 
his perspective like crystallizes and he suddenly sees it all so clearly like this is important i'm gonna get my act together and you know aunts and uncles are looking on from the sidelines like isn't he lovely he's he's working so hard to provide a better life for his family and it's a little bit like uh no i just want to get back the same disposable income i fucking had in 2015 you know hold the awards for a minute he's oh he's working so hard for them i just want to be able to go to glastonbury again that's it anyway that is one thing that improves work ethic that and uh cattle prod or a whip or some shit i guess but the thing about career moves and like retraining is it's possible for huge chunks of people to do it and they should do it whether it's out of volunteering to do shit in their existing job or learning something at 4am while the kids are asleep and so on because like in all honesty the margin for change outside of those parameters is incredibly narrow like not to get too life coachy because obviously fuck that straight off the bat but your options for getting a good job that you're interested in by working hard and working harder wait working hard or working harder that's what i meant your options for getting a good job out of just working harder in your current let's say it's a shitty job you know like in most people's current shitty job your options for changing that are basically fuck all that's a, a real brutal harsh cold truth is that you know i mean i think this is why i find it so jarring listening to tories who fucking inherited their wealth telling broke motherfuckers they need to work harder and change their situation you know like the biggest the quickest route out of poverty is working harder like nice thanks thanks rishi you inherited a wedge and married a billionaire so fucking tell me again about working hard for your money you fucking bellend you know like that's why this jars me so much because most people's situation is let's say working in that esso garage working in primark cleaning offices call centers social care nurses that's most people now like you could work your ass off for two years in that shit before a team lead job comes up and then what like two years hard work for fucking what then then you get called into a meeting it's like uh, oh you work really hard doing those extra shifts and missing your wife's birthday john and in recognition of that we'd like to offer you the team lead position and it pays an extra 57p an hour you know like two years for that <laughs> two fucking years and it's like i'm not belittling you know if if you love what you do and you've worked hard and now you are a team leader in a call center or so or, or something then that's great but i think and you're like and you're happy doing that i think that's really cool but in terms of like making a career change to radically improve your financial situation and open up the doors of opportunity for i don't know like your kids or being able to support your wife better when she becomes pregnant or you know actually maximizing or widening that margin for change needs to come from some sort of drastic maximization is that a word of of your income potential and that happens by retraining by learning a new skill and then applying or like you know the volunteering shit that i was talking about earlier like volunteering even if it's unpaid to do new projects and and have that skill set wrapped around your cv 
I don't think the opportunities for making like let's say 50k or 70k a year are realistic for most people who work in like a tesco you could work your fucking ass off and they'll just make you like head of deli or head of like produce or something and maybe if you're lucky and they turn you into a duty manager you're on like 32k and i'm i'm not diminishing i'm not diluting or disrespecting people who've worked hard and now they're on 32k what i'm saying is life is really fucking hard and we're in a cost of living crisis and things are going to get even fucking harder before they get any any in the same neighborhood as better like if the energy bills have gone up twice uh, like double already and they're projected to go to triple and the ni hike and universal credit cuts and you know you you pick the fucking financial calamity that people on low incomes are facing and you just think you need to fucking upskill man like you need to get yourself onto something around like 40 50 60k and you're frankly not going to do that no matter how hard you work in this retail uh, uh you know junior customer services exec kind of paradigm does that make sense i really hope that doesn't sound insulting and i hope that there's a point there that if you do forward this episode of the podcast on to your nephew or niece or brother who's thinking about retraining, that's the, the real takeaway, is that there are actually two kinds of workers in the UK. There's the politicians, the journalists, the doctors, the academics, uh, the, you know, the, the, the quote-unquote professionals. And for these people, adapting their skill set and manoeuvring through different industries and different disciplines... And going from a 50k role to a 70k role and then staying in the 70k role and then applying for a 90k role and then going 120k and then they get dividends and then they, for these people work and applying for different jobs and making career changes and career moves is actually an incredibly fluid easy process for somebody like a senior tory mp or even a senior labor mp these people sit in a different class of employment but for most people for most people in the UK, and I suspect this is true of Australia and America and probably Canada and New Zealand, for most people, it doesn't matter how hard they work, that freedom, that liberty to leapfrog this role into a completely different role that they're probably unqualified to do. That's the fuck thing. Is the idea that they're going to be able to make those sorts of moves, frankly, is fantasy. And I think what this really goes back to is the detachment of like politicians see we are getting political now the detachment of politicians and some journalists in that they mistake the like hard work equals success or hard work equals maximized income they mistake their own experience and perspective of that for how it is with everyone because their only experience of applying for a job that pays a little bit more or uh going for a promotion or having it like all of their experiences of that are rooted in situations where their friend from Oxbridge phones them and goes, Oi, have you ever done the uh, LBC? Yeah. Well, I think LBC have got an opening. Why don't you go and apply for that? Or, you know, I don't know, some politician needs a new aid. And so he talks to his friend that he used to go to fucking golf with. And like their, their experience of moving from job to job and maximizing income is completely fucking different to your situation and your experience of working your fucking ass off for three years to get 20p more on the hour.
Guys, that's all we've got time for tonight. We. I'm saying we. The proverbial we. I can't even fucking say proverbial. How weird and ironic. Um, guys, that's all I've got time for tonight. Uh, I wish you all the best. Thanks very much for tuning in uh, on the live stream. Those of you that, that have um, or indeed downloading the poddy from Apple or Spotify or wherever in God's name you're listening from. I'll be back on Monday night. I'm super psyched. My guest is comedian John Mayer. And also next week, I've got Poker Guru and LA stand-up comic John Stapleton on the show. John Stapleton? Joe Stapleton. I'm so sorry, Joe Stapleton, if you're listening to this. Uh, Both those guests are fucking hilarious. I think it's going to be lots of fun. Uh, But I do have to go. Until next time, we outie.